Great. Thanks, Andy. Um, it's really good to be able to share. It's been a very, very special and blessed weekend. I, I do love the whole UBM fellowship. It's very precious and has been for many, many years. So thank you to everybody. Let me just say normally at the Beach Mission reunion, I would be <laughs> trying to get rid of as many bundles of tracks as I possibly can. Obviously, I can't do that. But if you can use and would like either more copies of the Hope Beyond the Coronavirus tract or the new Christmas one. Normally thousands of those go out at the UBM um, weekend. If you can use them, just please drop a note to um, Tim at UBM with your name and address, your postal address. He will send on that information to me and I'll gladly send it. You don't need to send any money. It'd be my pleasure to send you as many as you can use. Now to the word, you know, when the Lord Jesus was comparing the kingdom of God to something, he didn't say what many people outside might say. Oh, yes, we know all about Christianity and the kingdom of God. It's like going to a funeral or you're enduring a famine or something like that. No, he said, if you want to know what the kingdom of God is like, it's like a feast. And there are so many blessings about being a Christian. So, so much goodness that God gives us. We, we have forgiveness, don't we? But it's not just forgiveness for some sins, it's for all sin. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses from all sin. We have a relationship with God, but it's not just religious ritual. It's not just belonging to a club. No, we, we, we have a deep, intimate relationship with the eternal, altogether loving God. We have joy, but it's not just ordinary joy. It's great joy. We have peace, but not just ordinary peace. It's peace that passes understanding. We, we have love, but we have the fullness of love because it's God's love dwelling within us. We have victory. I, I know we struggle, but nevertheless, we are more than conquerors through the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a God who who fills our cup and he fills it to overflowing. This is a God who flows through us. Uh, it, it's as if there's a rivers of living water flowing through us to be a blessing to others. Uh, we have a God who meets our needs, but he does so out of the riches which are in Christ. We have a God who gives us life, but it's life more abundant and it's eternal life. This is a God who gives us himself. He gives us his son, his Holy Spirit. He gives us himself. And I've got to say, <laughs> if I can put it like this, I'd rather have standing room in heaven with the Lord Jesus than own all the world and eventually go to hell. But the Lord's people have always been a people who suffer and a people who serve. And we're thinking of the Apostle Paul, who is our pattern saint. We, we don't follow him as our saviour, but we do follow him as he follows a saviour. He's a pattern example of, of being a Christian. Um, but he, like so many others, was imprisoned. We think of Joseph way back in the Old Testament. He was imprisoned. And Jeremiah, I love Jeremiah, but he was imprisoned. John the Baptist was imprisoned. The Lord Jesus was imprisoned. Can you imagine that? And of course, Peter and then the Apostle Paul. Christians have been called to suffer. I think most of you will have heard of the Council of Nicaea, it was held in A.D. 325. You don't need to go into all the doctrines involved at the moment. But it's interesting because pastors and church leaders were brought together for the first worldwide Christian conference, the first UBM reunion, as it were. And um, 
but they were brought together at a period of time when they just suffered the terrible Diocletian persecution. And as these servants of the Lord Jesus Christ came to meet and confer and pray, etc., some of them had had their tongues cut out. Some of them had had their eyes gouged out. Some of them had had their ears cut off. Some of them had had their fingers or even their whole hands amputated, just severed. And virtually all of them, there were very few exceptions, virtually all of them were maimed or mutilated or scarred. And these were the Christian leaders of the world in 325 AD. Now, do you remember when Saul of Tarsus was converted? Of course, he became Paul. We know when Saul was converted, the Lord spoke to Ananias, a Christian disciple, and he said to Ananias about Saul, or Paul as he's going to be, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, Paul was to speak, wasn't he, about the, the, the thorn in the flesh which he had. It's interesting, he talked about this messenger of Satan, which was to buffet me. As far as we understand, at least seven times the Apostle Paul was imprisoned. But it, it's very easy for us to say that, and it's come out over and over again this weekend. That, that was horrendous suffering um, for the Apostle Paul. This was no luxury prison by any means. And, and very often, before he was imprisoned, he was beaten. Uh, and this was the severest of beatings. And frankly, um, when he was imprisoned, he probably could have imagined that I'm shortly going to go for martyrdom. And almost certainly that's eventually what did happen. Uh, I, I, I'm not a great lover of flying in aeroplanes at all, uh, but I can't imagine the horror that must go through the mind of somebody who's taken hostage on board an airline. And going through your mind would be, am I going to be shot? Uh, are we going to crash and all of us be killed or will I somehow survive? And I wonder if Paul had similar thoughts and feelings and, and fears. He knew what it was to to suffer. And yet this was the man who'd preached before vast crowds, who'd seen many, many people converted to Christ. He was a man who'd gone throughout that then known world and established Bible believing evangelical churches. He was a man who won people to Jesus Christ. He was a man who trained others. And yet there he is in prison. And sometimes one has to say one, one can't always understand quite why the Lord allows things to happen as they do. I've been studying this week the life of Hezekiah in the Old Testament outside of King David. He was probably the greatest king of Judah and the reforms that he did and, and, and the way he transformed the nation, restored worship and etc. was remarkable. But he died age 54 and you sort of think, Lord, why didn't you give him another 20, 30 years to carry on the reforms in the nation? And, and I don't know the answer to that. And why would the Apostle Paul, who'd been so mightily used, find himself in prison? But it's interesting, whether free or imprisoned, the Apostle Paul had one straightforward, simple message. You know what he wrote to the Corinthians. I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Prison walls did not take away from him the freedom to proclaim. And they didn't take away from him the fear of the future. You know, he didn't have any fear of the future is what I'm trying to say there. He had the most wonderful and urgent message. And whether he was outside 
in, in, in somebody's house, in a lecture theatre, in the open air, in, in a church. It didn't matter. He was determined not to know anything amongst them except the most urgent message and the most wonderful message that there is that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He had experienced how he had been transformed by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and he wanted everybody around to understand this same gospel and come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus as well. Now we're living in a very cynical age and um, and we, we get used to hostility and perhaps I don't know, a, a deep sort of apathy. You know, you, you share the gospel with somebody and it, it, it seems as though very often they just glaze over and it's, you know, as if nothing we're saying is sinking in. I think we have to understand that the person who sneers at Christianity is really turning up their nose at the best thing in the world. Never lose the sort of sense of awe that this is an incredible message that the Lord of all glory, this infinite, eternal, absolutely holy God has come into our world with the express mission of going to a cross and dying for our sin. And he who tasted death for every man was buried and rose from the dead. He's a living saviour. He's exalted. One day he's going to come back. And he now commands all men everywhere to repent and to believe. And of course, there are eternal consequences as to what somebody does with the Lord Jesus Christ. If, if we have trusted him, our names have been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We, we are secure. A place is reserved in heaven for us. That's what the Bible says. It, it, it's, it, it, it's a wonderful message. We, we talk with people, whatever their reaction we have got something very, very special to say. I've written down some of the um, sort of um, uh, ways in which the Bible describes this, this proclaiming the word. It's like bringing light into the darkness. It's like planting a seed. It's like cleansing with pure water. It's like dispensing healing medicine. It's like serving nourishing food to people. It's like wielding a powerful sword. It's like investing spiritual wealth into people's lives. If you want the Bible references for each of those, you'll have to drop me an email and I'll gladly send them. But go through Psalm 119, which, of course, is all about uh, the word of God, the Bible. And you see that God's word can give uh, uh, guidance to those who are perplexed and don't know the way. It can give victory to people who are tempted. It can give joy to those who are discouraged and encouragement to those who feel there's no hope at all. It can give peace to the troubled and freedom to the bound. And uh, it can give new life to those who are defeated. And so you could go on with the list that is found in Psalm 119. We have the word of God, God's message to humanity, and we want to proclaim it. The chief task of the church is world evangelization. And that is the responsibility of every believer to carry out the task of, um, of, 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 of telling the world all that the Lord Jesus Christ has done. Now, Paul knew this. And Paul was a man who was burdened. My heart's desire and prayer for Israel is that they might be saved. He had a great concern. He said he urged people to pray for all men. And he was also spurred on by a sort of divine compulsion. The word was in him and woe was him if he didn't preach the gospel. So he, he sought to proclaim it faithfully, not pleasing men and all the pressure that's on us to sort of accommodate what we're saying. So it's acceptable to 
society or even to to you know fellow christians who may have themselves weakened things and oh don't don't, don't become too extreme etc and the world is putting massive pressure on us and there are various groups we know in society who are putting huge pressure on us to sort of modify or take something away from the message no we preach christ crucified and risen we we don't if i can put it like this and the apostle paul didn't um speak a songs of praise tepid christianity because actually that accomplishes nothing for the kingdom of god the weapons of our warfare are not carnal so we come to god's word and we say lord with your enabling with your help with your strength we want to share this as much as we can with as many as we can so what did the apostle paul do when he finds himself in prison well he wrote <laughs> we know that he he wrote letters he wrote to uh, the Christians in Ephesus. So we have the book of Ephesians. He wrote to the Christians in Philippi. So we have the book of Philippians and the Christians. He, he never visited them as far as we know in, in Colossae. But we have the book of Colossians as a result of that. He wrote to his old friend Philemon. He, he wrote to his young friend, well, as far as we know, younger anyway, Timothy. So we have two Timothy. All of these were written in, in prison and they are immortal words. It was the Holy Spirit of God himself in the mind and heart of the Apostle Paul so that God was using Paul as an instrument to give us his word. That's an amazing thing. Now, I want to apply it, if I may. You know, lockdown came however many months ago it is now. And um, I don't know about you, but I, first thing I thought was, oh, Christ, I've never had a sabbatical in my life. I've got a week or two off now. But then, of course, it went on and on and and yet i'd made certain promises to the lord when i was a 17 year old i thought I, I i said to the lord lord with your help i want to speak to somebody every day about the lord jesus but suddenly i found i was sort of imprisoned in a very lovely prison my own home and i couldn't meet with people so i began to write letters well if i'm going to be honest i wrote postcards i've got loads of postcards i always got postcards and um I'd write a little postcard to, well, first of all, I wrote to some of my non-Christian relatives and then my friends and then my contacts. And then I began to scratch my head and think, who else can I write? So when I wrote a postcard, I, 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 I put in the gospel tract into an envelope and I sent the postcard in the envelope to as many people as I could. And I thought, oh, well, there's um, Morrison's supermarket. I'll write to the manager and thank them for staying open. And Tesco's, I don't actually go to Tesco's, but anyway, I wrote to the manager there and thanked him for staying open. And then I thought I wrote to the bank manager. And it's interesting, my daughter Hannah went uh, to um, the HSBC bank for me and um, she was paying in some money for me. And uh, the person behind the counter said to Hannah, who is this person? And she said, oh, it's my father. And the lady behind the counter just said, well, will you thank him? Because he wrote a thank you note to us the other day and there was a little Christian leaflet and it really made our day. Well, it made my day when I heard about this. So continued to write letters and all these months later, I'm still writing letters Whew, i've written to one or two um people who send me their catalogues this week oh as well as the malaysian prime minister uh, anyway you don't need to know all, all about that and i thought this is costing me a fortune so then i be, i went on to google and i i looked up all the free post addresses that i could so little hampton labor party got a note from me on their free post address etc but i was just trying to think how, how can i share the gospel now I, i'm not allowed to speak to people 
and um, I began to to write letters. Um, I think we've got a picture of the the hut that's at the bottom of our garden because just across there's a there's a river at the bottom of our garden and just across people walk along the the Yorkshire Dales and um, they hopefully look across and see this this hut. Can they? Have we got it? Hopefully it's coming. Just desperately trying to think of different. Oh, it is there, is it? I don't know whether it's on your screen or not, but anyway, it's supposed to be. And then, um, oh, it is. I've got a note saying it is. And then um, um, I thought, well, what else can I do? Well, just very near to where I live is a um, place called Grassington, where literally hundreds of tourists come. So I wrote to um, the vicar and I said to the vicar of the, 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 the church nearby, I said, would you mind if I put out a a stall with free books just outside the, the the parish hall and it's on the main square it's a very old building people look at it etc would you mind so i think we've got a picture uh, there it is with the parasol that today blew down but anyway and uh, the yorkshire flag in case you're wondering what that is perhaps we can look at the next picture as well and you'll see um i just have this note saying uh, free please take one and it's got CDs, it's got uh, DVDs, it's got various books and New Testaments and etc. And every day I find that a number of those are taken. It really thrills me. I try to go up early in the morning if I can, and uh, depending on the weather. And then I and, and you sort of think, right, what you know, what can I do? I want to be sharing the gospel. Well, Paul wrote letters. He believed in literature. That's why I'm so committed to tracts and books and booklets because. You know, you can't always explain everything to every non-Christian that you meet, but to give them something that they might just read uh, can be very, very helpful. This is the Apostle Paul adapting to his prison situation, but he did more than that. People came to him and um, uh, he, he taught them the word of God. That's why we read the passage in the book of Acts. He, he did it from morning till evening. In fact, he invited Jewish people in Rome to come to him so that he could speak the gospel. Now, it's difficult because there are various measures the government um, uh, are saying that we should keep to. And I understand that. But we we do meet people, don't we? Yesterday I had two new tyres um, for my car. Uh, there were three men in the garage and I was able to chat to the three men at a distance. But I was able to give them a book each. And they were, they were really thrilled. We are meeting people, our neighbours. Maybe actually you can spend time phoning folk um, that you, you wouldn't normally be able to phone and just, well, I had a phone call this afternoon from a man who, who was a Christian. He just said, Roger, I just wanted to encourage you. But there are many people who would love a phone call. I got in touch um, with the local care home and I said, if you'd be willing to give me a list of all your residents' Christian names, I'd love to write them a postcard. And sure enough, 50 names came back. So I wrote a postcard, I sent a tract and it went out to that one. And then another care home, and then another one. It's, a, it's trying to think, to whom can we get in touch? The people who came to him and the people he just happened to meet. Ah, and there were quite a number of those. He witnessed to those who were in prison with him. Now, some of them were fellow prisoners. We, we know the story of Onesimus, don't we, whom he led to Christ and then sent back to, to Philemon. What a wonderful, wonderful um, uh, little book we've got in the book of Philemon and that great gospel verse, you know, if he owes you anything, I will pay it, he says. And uh, well, you can think about that one. But um, he talked about Onesimus as 
a, a Christian. He said, whom I have begotten in my bonds. I honestly don't feel I have led anybody to Christ during the lockdown. And I want, as it were, to have somebody whom I've begotten in my bond. You know what I mean, in the lockdown. And there are people round about. There are people I'm bumping into. I set up my store with a parasol just across the, the, uh, the cobbled road from, from where I am. It's the ice cream man. And I, I tried to speak to him day by day. I'd love to see him converted. But then there was a boldness about the Apostle Paul as well. So he spoke to his judges. There he is on trial for being a Christian. And what does he do? He proclaims the gospel to a King Agrippa. Of Felix or a Bernice or he, he, he's he's absolutely passionate that the greatest need that everybody has is to hear the gospel and to respond to Christ even spoke to his accusers the crowds baying for his blood and yet he speaks to them about the Lord Jesus or the man Tertullus this orator this lawyer who's twisting words to try and convict Paul but he he, he wants him to be converted and the guards you know, day by day, there'd be there'd be various guard changes. Maybe there were two guards. Maybe they had six hour stints. So that's eight guards a day. I'm absolutely certain the Apostle Paul spoke to these people of the Praetorian Guard. And and you can say, oh, Roger, come on, you're, you're pushing things a bit. But the Philippian jailer certainly had understood something when he came. I love the fact that it was he who came trembling to the Apostle Paul and not Paul who was trembling. He came trembling and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And have a look at this one. If you're reading through the book of Acts, look for the name towards the end of the book of a man called Julius. He was a centurion of the Augustan regiment and he escorted Paul across the Mediterranean to Rome. And if I understand it correctly, I think Julius had come to trust Christ. And if he did, I don't know, it may well have been through the Apostle Paul's witness. Do you see what he's doing? He's, he's in lockdown. He's not doing what he's normally doing, preaching to the crowds, establishing churches, training leaders. He's not doing that. But he writes letters. He speaks to the people who come to him and he invites others to come to him. And those he just happens to be meeting. He has no choice. He's bumping into them. He shares the gospel with those. We, we don't ask if people deserve our help. We, we, we're sinners telling other sinners about the Lord Jesus Christ. We speak the truth in love because people matter, don't they? People do matter. And I, I tremble at the thought of people I rub shoulders with going to going to hell. We can say a lost eternity. It is a lost eternity. But I tremble at the thought that they could go to hell. I want them to come to trust Jesus Christ. And I love the fact as well that the Apostle Paul took an individual interest in people. So he, he, he names, I think, 96 different individuals in his epistles. He didn't forget people. As a spiritual father, the Apostle Paul took time to, to teach and encourage his spiritual children individually. I wrote to every one of you, he says. <laughs> it's interesting this is completely different i'm not blaming the man but um i don't know whether you know the name the reverend sabine bearing gould if you don't know that name you know what he wrote he wrote the hymn uh, onward christian soldiers he was the father of 16 children and sometimes he had difficulty remembering who they were. So at a Christmas party where there were lots of children, he turned to one little girl and he said, and whose little girl are you, my dear? 
<laughs> and she bursts into tears and replied, I'm yours, Daddy. <laughs> OK, well, Paul didn't have that problem. He remembered who they were because he prayed for them. They were on his heart. He was concerned for them. I'm praying for um, a delivery man called John uh, at the moment. And um, uh, of course, he came. We've got lots of deliveries these days came and um, uh, I offered him a booklet and he wouldn't take it. And he said, I just don't believe you. No evidence for what you believe, etc." As it happens, the next day when I was setting up my stall early in the morning uh, in Grassington, there he was. So this time I said, look, let me give you one of these books. And he said, well, give me one that's got some evidence then. So um, I gave him um, why I believe. As it happens, I think it was yesterday or the day before he, he came to our house with a delivery and Dot, my wife, answered the door. And apparently he said to Dot, oh, I'm glad it was you because I haven't started that book yet. <laughs> well, I'm praying. And he knows. I've said, John, I'm going to pray for you. I, I, there's a great example here of the Apostle Paul refusing for the, that the circumstances would prohibit him from sharing the gospel. I say again, this is the most wonderful and urgent message that there is. It's the only thing that offers hope. The only thing. The Lord Jesus is never a disappointment. Let's take every opportunity. And OK, in unusual situations now, let's adapt. There are things you can be involved in in making Christ known. I don't know if you've noticed, but a number of times, I think three times, uh, the Apostle Paul speaks of himself as I, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord. I found that very challenging. He didn't say I'm, I'm a prisoner of this rotten Roman guard here or I'm a prisoner of Nero. He said, no, no, no. I'm the Lord's prisoner. In, in prison, you don't normally have fellowship, but he had fellowship with the Lord. And uh, he, he saw himself as, OK, I'm trapped in, but it's because of the Lord. And I want to have that attitude. It's very easy to think, you know, I'm a prisoner of my body that isn't very healthy. I'm a prisoner of my circumstances, the situation I find myself in at school or at university or at work or in the locality where I live. No, no, no. You're the Lord's prisoner. And for the moment, he's got you where you are, got me where I am. And OK, we may feel as though we're in lockdown, but the gospel isn't in lockdown. I don't know if you've come across the name. Richard Verbrand. He was imprisoned in Romania, Ceausescu's Romania. And can you imagine this? For 14 years, he was in prison in solitary confinement. I think, I don't know that my mind could cope with it. I think my mind would just explode. But for 14 years in solitary confinement. Do you know, he led the guy in the prison next to him to the Lord, but there was a war between them. But they learned a way of communicating by tapping on the wall. And eventually he tapped in such a way that he was explaining the gospel. It must have taken weeks, months, I don't know, years. But he led the guy in solitary confinement next to him to Christ. Whew. Well, OK, they're in a different league to me. But I think what I'm saying to myself and I hope to all of us, we, we, we love the Lord. And that's why we're on this, this weekend together. Uh, we love the gospel. We want to share it. OK, let's now adapt for the moment. No, eventually we might get back to things. But for the moment, let's adapt. Let's be creative. And let's do all we possibly can 
to proclaim the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. It, it's a wonderful message. And if it means we suffer, well, as long as we're serving, there is a feast of blessings laid out for us. We can enjoy them, indulge them, and one day be with the Lord Jesus himself. And, you know, we won't remember the tough times. We'll just gaze on him and think, oh, I'm glad I spoke about him while I could. I think most of you know uh, who know me. My, um, I have two favourite hymns, but one of them is Facing a Task Unfinished that drives us to our knees, but written by Bishop Frank Horton, who was with the Overseas Missionary Fellowship, of course, and we're going to sing it together. <laughs> 